Hello, and welcome to the Event Safety Podcast. I'm Danielle Hernandez. And I'm Steve Edelman. And today, guys, we're going to talk about USITT, and we have a fantastic guest. I could not be more delighted to talk to and introduce uh, Laura Lee Everett from USITT. You are the new executive director. Welcome to the pod. Thank you. So nice to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so hi everybody. Um, so USITT, United States Institute for Theater Technology, it's an organization I got involved with um, really about ten years ago. Um, shortly after I started my tenure at Opera America, which is a national service organization for opera companies all over the U.S. and Canada. And um, prior to that, uh, I had been involved in 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 my career as a stage manager. It's really where I started in the industry. Um, I had been a musician and uh, a theater kid all through you know, junior high and high school and went to college to study both music and music. It was a music management degree actually at Appalachian State University, one of the first of its kind back in the wood-burning computer era. Um, <laughs> I, was a, I was a staff electrician in the roadhouse there uh, for my work study and I had a built-in minor in business, but I knew I didn't want to just be a orchestra uh, manager, which is most of what the training was I said, I want to run an opera company. They didn't quite know what to do with me, but I knew I needed to know more about the theater side. So um, I ended up actually doing my full degree in theater as well as my degrees in um, music management with the minor in business. And uh, whilst I was taking courses in the theater department, someone said, hey, do you want to stage manage? We have to do a musical. We need someone who can read music. And I said, sure, what do you have to do? (laughs) <laughs> and that was the beginning of the end. There it is. Um, so I stage managed Once Upon a Mattress, uh, and it went from there. And I got out of college and, and got, I did an internship summer where I, I worked with an opera company in Charlottesville, Virginia, where I stage managed what was actually seven operas um, over the course of the summer outdoors with live peacocks wandering around on the grounds. Uh, it was an adventure, and I was hooked. <laughs> and so Uh, You know, it involved all of the good things that I enjoyed about theater, Um, not just being involved in it, the musical side of it, the putting all the pieces together. Um, But as a a friend of mine once said, it uses all your great bossy pants skills. So um, stage management became the thing for me. I was a freelance stage manager for 25 years all over the industry, primarily in opera and musical theater. And, uh, And then I worked a lot in education and training. I worked at the Aspen Summer Music Festival as their um, executive director and production manager. And I got to work with a lot of the technical staff there, which was wonderful. Um, And then also did 10 years at the University of Maryland as the um, executive director and production manager for the the opera theater program, which was a graduate training program within the School of Music, also interfacing as the production manager for the School of Music with the Clarice Smith Center, which was a brand new performing arts center. Um, and then I came to New York to work with Opera America. Uh, somewhere in there, I had worked with a guy named David Grindle, who is the previous executive director for USITT. We were a stage management team long ago. And he said, you should join Opera America. I said, okay. And then a number of years later, he got this job at USITT. And he said, you should come to USITT. I said, okay. Uh, And so we've been partners in trying to elevate everything 
about the incredible roles and the incredible content of folks in the technical end of this industry as artists. Uh, one of the things that's always driven me crazy is that we really all are artists. This doesn't happen just as a technician. Um, and we also take all of those practical things in mind, like safety, like what is going to happen in this next moment that is going to make it viable for this performer to do the best work that they can do and feel safe to do it in all of the ways. Um, so moving forward from there, uh, it just became a natural moment. I'd been with Opera America for 11 years, and I really was interested in going to the next big thing. When uh, I learned that David was going to Sempty, I thought, okay, well, that's all the planets aligning. I hope I get this job. And as luck would have it, I did. So that's where we are. It brings us up to today. Congratulations. And uh, I had the pleasure of, of briefly meeting you in person at the recent conference in St. Louis, uh, which was just an absolute blast. I had, my favorite thing I've just decided about conferences is all of the people and connections that you can make and reconnect with. And just that the natural synergy that comes with like people that are, care about the same stuff that you do. It was great. And one of the things that USITT has is, is the different um, commissions, um, which I've never understood where the term comes from, but that doesn't matter. But it's like different sectors of the industry. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's, there's a safety commission and a management commission and, and et cetera, et cetera. I, of course, went to the safety one. <laughs> Nerd. Nerd. All good. I, was well, I, was the, I was the management commissioner for USITT before I became the boss. So, you know, um, we go where our people are. Exactly. And uh, I will say, for those of you who ever have the opportunity to attend a USITT conference, first of all, I strongly recommend it. And attend some of the safety commission uh, meetings. They're also, mm -hmm. each commission has tracks as well. So you get to help program things. Um, but somebody in the safety commission designed a sticker that is a yep. safety unicorn and they were handing yes. them out to people. And it was the most beautiful thing. It's this is a cute little cartoon unicorn. It has things like hard hat and steel toe hoof boots hoof and covers, yeah. hoof covers and, and a vest and, uh, earplugs even I mean it's just the, just the best uh it was a, it was a lovely time and we were talking about programming and things for next year um can you talk a little bit about those commissions and and what they do absolutely so um uh the commissions which is the USITT term I myself have often been a little bit confused by it it basically references the network of of star-bellied sneeches those that have stars on theirs. So uh, for those of you who are like myself, I was in management and management's pretty all encompassing. There's several sort of broad spectrum commissions like safety and health, like education, like management. Management covers stage management, production management, art management, um, uh, large scale you know, event management, producing management, artistic man, all of those things. Uh, safety and health, same. Safety and health is something that actually has to get woven into and incorporated in all of those commissions. So safety and health partners with sound to do commission uh, activities. And, and I love the plug. Thank you, Danielle, for the plug for conference. We're in Seattle next year um, in March, uh, the uh, 20th through the 23rd. I'll plug it about 927 times. 
<laughs> excuse me but um but one of the other things is that there's also year-round programming we have webinars you can join the safety and health commission if you're a member of usitt and say how can i get involved you can say i want to join safety and health they will hold regular meetings to invite people in to talk about what they'd like to have put out there there's a call for proposals it's open on our website right now that if you have an idea for a session Anybody can put it in. Any member of USITT can put a session idea in, and that will get considered by the commission as to the programming that we're going to do at conference. Um, they're also deeply intertwined, safety and health, with our ideas committee. Now, the ideas group is, of course, inclusion, diversity, equity, access, and social justice. That's what those letters stand for. And so much of that intersects with workplace safety both from a HR standpoint, but also from a mental health standpoint. Um, there's programming that they are looking into to develop for next year to um, enhance our experience for the neurodiverse and understand and do more work in those spaces as well. So safety and health really is all encompassing. There's a technical production commission. There's the management commission I mentioned, sound, um, digital media, lighting, Costumes, of course, which is huge and also encompasses wig and makeup. Um, who else am I missing? Uh, design, uh, theatrical design, or scenic design. That's in. T that's also part of TD and uh, TD TPR tech production. Um, architecture. We do a lot of collaboration with architecture. Um, I could pull them all up, but there's a side. Uh, there's a there's a place on our site that has all of the commissions listed. And, you know, basically it's for us to be able to connect both nationally and then there are regional sections where you can connect to people who are also in the same part of the industry you're in that are near you. So that's sort of an overview of what the commissions are. And then just like a tip toe dip into what safety and health does. They do a whole lot of it, it actually some of that programming is the most attended programming that we tracked in Seattle because it's stuff in the workplace or in the university, um, we don't get to talk about it the same way. And this gives everybody a chance to come together and learn more about it. It's for everyone else's professional development, not just you know, what you have to do when you've got to go watch the whatever state you live in, um, you know, video on sexual harassment in the workplace. One of the things that uh, I love that USITT has, has pivoted being an overused term is are these practical experiences at the conference. The last couple I've been to, there's an entire hall full of, hey, come learn how to paint a drop. Hey, come rig a chain motor. Hey, come build this very intricate costume piece. I'm not a costume person, so I could, I don't have the right word. Hey, yeah, <laughs> hey, come fly. We fly. actually had on the fly on the floor this year that, that came in and they're like, we don't wanna do a booth, we wanna do something practical. Yeah. And so we had, you know, people that were in there that were trading off, learning how to rig and fly somebody and then being the flyer. Yep. And there was, there's a so big they, lighting lab and a sound lab. It was amazing. Yep. One of the things that came out of the, the safety commission was at, at, at lower level conferences, there are things called tech Olympics. And we were like, what if we had a safety lab? on that, you know, so we're like, what, what does that look like? So, you know, we, we wanna emulate those other friends and, and have safety labs like 
find the hazard. How do you fix it? <laughs> yeah, just no, that's fly. A great. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to be in the other booth flying. <laughs> <laughs> I may not learn how to fly anyone else, but I want to fly. Oh, well, we will definitely sign you up to be the flyer for, you know, a whole day. Yeah, just give me a And you'll just like walk away and walk into walls because that's what happens. <laughs> so so something that USITT has definitely been working on is, is education. Uh, we've spoken as recently as our last podcast about the uh, backstage program. Mm-hmm. Um, are, so what are some other educational outreach? I know that a huge chunk of USAT is uh, involves college students. It does. We also are, you know, we do a great deal and we need to message this a little bit more. Um, I think a lot of people view USITT as the place where there's a lot of college students. So they're, um, for lack of a better term, they can come and fish in a stocked pond because we know how much people spend on trying to find employees, especially in this post-pandemic world that are actually in the industry. But for them, a big qualifier is, you know, we don't necessarily know other than looking at someone's resume, whether they're, they've been trained on this equipment. And we're talking about vendors and people who are at every kind of live event you can imagine. Everything from, you know, your local community theater, regional, large-scale lord houses, to Disney, Cirque du Soleil, and major cruise lines, to huge industrial companies that do gigantic rock and roll shows. So we really do have folks there that are representing all of those things that are looking to hire. But they're also looking at the people who are there from the colleges and the universities who are faculty, not necessarily just the students. They're interested in seeing staff from those schools. So many so many universities and conservatories hire professional staff to be their technicians. Those are the folks that they're interested in meeting and talking to and offering additional professional development and training to. So some of the programs that we've been able to do, we, um, we've partnered with in the past with ESTA for some of this so that you can get certification and we're gonna work on more of that. But everything from rigging master classes that are, um, they're all based off of Jay Glarum's um, rigging handbook. Um, actually, teaser alert, in Seattle, we're going to be um, revealing and uh, starting for distribution the uh, fourth edition of Jay, Gr- of, of Jay Glarum's rigging handbook. Um, and it's been updated by a number of people since Jay's passing who are all folks that are dealing with the most updated equipment that studied and worked with Jay. It's really exciting. And we're going to try to do a master class in Seattle this fall to prep people for that. But that's one of those offerings that safe rigging, that's such a key component of what we do um, in the theater, in any type of theater. So those offerings are part of what we do on a regular basis. We offer them in different parts of the country. If someone has a theater or a uh, uh, one of our vendors who actually produces rigging equipment wants to host one, we will gladly come and put it together and make the whole thing happen um, and bring the certified trainers in to do that. We'll be doing, um, we have some funding for some, uh, some lighting lab, not lighting labs, but lighting workshops that have to do with new equipment standards. It includes teaching people how to properly repair equipment, in particular dealing with LEDs, which is a whole new space of this that a lot of folks are not getting that training when they're 
in the academy and certainly as they come out into the workforce. So we're focusing some new training for things on the someone who's in the first five to 10 years of their career space, because that's when you don't have those same resources you had when you were in the academy. We do have the backstage exam, which I think you guys talked about more extensively, which is targeted for high school students to be able to take through school. They'll do one in the fall and then they do one in the spring so that it can assess where they are in their expertise uh, and be able to take that into colleges, but also for the schools to understand where else they can enhance their training. Um, We have ESET, which is an advancement of that that goes into additional training seminars and classes. And our Innova portal online has an entire catalog of things that you can go and do training and testing online um, through our website and get certifications from ESTA associated with it. So that's some of the stuff that you can do, whether you're there or not. So we also have best practices for the industry that are actually listed in terms of a whole group of folks that have come together about what some of the CAD drawing standards need to be and what what everybody is using so that people can have that updated. And that's from a a huge collection of volunteers um, that are all working in the industry that put that information together. And that's also a combination of people there and in the academy. So, Laura Lee Everett um, from USITT, just to reintroduce you to our podcast listeners. Um, You've said several things that are super interesting to me. Um, One is just a wonderful turn of phrase, which I think is the answer to a question that we've been posing in several recent podcasts, which is USITT's annual conference is fishing in a stocked pond. a phrase I have not heard before, but I've been on the enormous USITT trade show floor and seen how packed it is. I never realized the activity that was going on at that level because, well, I wasn't looking to hire someone, nor was I looking to get hired myself. But is that something that I mean, other than you saying it on our event safety podcast, is that something that people know? Is that intentionally part of what USITT is doing? That is a great question, Steve. Um, It is. Oh, don't suck up to me. Just answer it. No, no, no. no. (laughs) But seriously, it's a great question because I think at the moment, it is something that, you know, you hit on this earlier, Danielle. It's about the networking and the people. That's why people love to come to that in person. That is what the value proposition is for the in-person conference. There's a lot of people out there that think that all we do is the conference. Um, So that's a little bit of myth busting that I want to help us do as we move forward and connect with, you know, here are other associations that are part of USITT that we work together, like Event Safety Alliance, like, you know, the ESTA, like SETC, some of these other groups that we partner with um, but, you know, when it comes to the, the fact that we do have training and education as a huge part of our conference, it is referred to as the USITT Conference and Stage Expo. And the Stage Expo piece is the exhibitor floor. And we have over 300 people out on that floor that are exhibitors. There's one whole end. I mean, I'm just going to say this. It's wicked cool. As far as trade shows go, it's Podcast really cool. Listeners- 
it is wicked cool. We Danielle and I have both been there, you know, different years. It, it is uniformly, to my mind, one of the most wicked cool trade show floors. And we just came back from NAM, which is an enormous musical instrument toy store. And I would say that the USITT floor is, in a different way, as wicked cool. Okay. But I, I do have one problem with USITT. There's uh -oh. not, not enough time to do all of the things. <laughs> I mean, it's a good problem, but I'm like, I could go to this or this, or I could go to the trade show floor. And, and it... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it I, is a bit I, overwhelming. It is. It totally is. And I hear the song you are singing. Um, and I mean, you it's not great, on... but I'm like, I was yeah. like, I, but I, I never got to X. <laughs> Part of what we're going to do going forward, and, and part of that is we are reduced in size of that show a little bit in the post-pandemic era. So there is an opportunity as we look at things going forward where we may expand stuff, but we're also going to do a little bit of retraction so that there isn't quite so much programming that it's overwhelming for people. And then look really, look at some dedicated times for different things to happen that lots of people can participate in or not talking about our friends from the neurodiverse community are like, it's too much. I need downtime to sit and absorb and a place to do it. So we're going to address that. That's part of what safety and health is talking with us about wanting to incorporate next year. Um, and that's something we want to model as leaders in the industry for everybody who has a shop in the field to know that that's, if you're going to hire folks that may need that space, you know, that how do you go about it? And if we can model it, then we can actually give them an instruction manual. Um, we do have that whole end of the floor that's the dark zone where we black out all of the convention center lights so that everybody who's got a lighting thing or a projection thing or an atmospheric thing. I mean, I was like a third grader skipping through there. I was like, bubbles, snow. <laughs> I loved all of it. It was so awesome. Um, and as somebody who has gone to the USIGT convention for the last seven years as an exhibitor, I never had time to do that because I was always manning my booth from Upper America to try to like get people to, to, to join and come to our conference and know that there were a huge number of jobs. So this goes back to your question, Steve. I was there solely from another trade association, basically hawking all of the tech theater jobs in opera, of which there are hundreds. Our jobs board is one of the most visited pages on the USITT site. It's a great member benefit, but it's also... You know, right now in America, if you're hiring for a full-time position, you're going to spend 50% of the annual budget for that position on the hiring process. That's a big chunk of change. And if you're talking about technical staff that you're hiring either on a seasonal basis or folks that you're hiring on a temporary basis, you're going to spend somewhere between ten dollars and $30,000 on hiring them, depending on what the length of it is. That's how much it costs to post on Indeed, Monster, and LinkedIn, and all of the things. My dream is for us to create a space that USITT can make as a member benefit. That is, you put. It's like a. It's a little bit like a LinkedIn for tech theater people. <clears throat> we already have a program like that that we currently offer for. Um, it's called Link L I N K. We we uh, co-present it with SETC. And it is for grad students applying to grad schools 
and then grad school as designers and technicians. And it's basically almost like the medical industry does that match date thing where you can put in all your materials and where you'd be interested in working in what area of the field you want to work in. And then those that are, are bringing students, they go and look up all that stuff and then can send those prospectuses and do interviews with them. And then they, they, and then they come to conference and they do the interviews. They've already done that. We want to do that with summer stock. So, so I'm familiar with what SCTC is uh, living in South Carolina. Can you? Oh yeah. <laughs> so SCTC is the uh, Southeastern Theater Conference. Conference. Yep. Conference, and it's this huge group of, I think it's something like ten to fifteen states, um, that it's it's all theater practitioners and vendors in in this region, and they also have a big conference that I. Don't go to as often as I go to USITT, but I have gone a few times. So that's what that reference is uh, yeah. for those of you in Portland, Oregon, Seattle, oh, Jacob. <laughs> yes. Well, and it's funny because I, I grew up in the Southeast and I went yeah. to college in the Southeast. So well, SETC is, is where I went for my first theater gig. Yeah, yeah it's a huge, huge hiring pool. It's huge. It's a huge, and this was like, like I said, back in the wood burning computer days, they had a whole like, they had these big poster board, not poster boards, but like, you know, the pin boards in the lobby that were like stage management jobs. And somebody had a whole bunch of stuff posted and you would post a thing the, on a sign-up sheet to sign up for a uh, an interview that inevitably was in somebody's hotel room, usually with one person, which probably now is completely and totally unsafe <laughs> and unsafe. Yeah, no, no, no longer. But, I bet the standard protocol. <laughs> no, no, but that's where that. I mean, it's been around for ages. That's where that started. Was if you, and then they also have auditions. So it's not just technicians. They have artists there. I my first gig was in an actor tech at Horn in the West, the outdoor drama, um, where you know I would run on, I would run off stage and pick up and like fire the prop gun for the gun sound on stage and then put it down and run out and be a terrified townsperson. Um, you know, but it was, uh, it was a great place to do that. I went to SETC twice when I was in college to get the work that got me started in the field. USITT is a huge place for folks to get that work. Um, and the opportunities for either looking at, I don't want to say unorthodox, but uh, um, maybe unknown paths which is why I was always there pushing opera, but because, because you don't always, not every school you get to work on that. Um, and there's a myth about the idea that you have to read music to go into that. You don't have to read music to go into musical theater either. Um, not for, for many technicians, for some you do, but um, for technicians and designers, they're all welcome. But most of the people who are with our exhibitors, so you know, I look at my friends and colleagues at uh, say Barbizon or Wenger, um, they're big floor exhibitors for us. Everybody who works for them started out as a theater geek. And that's the path they found to working in the industry. And they want to be able to A, share that path, but B, share their knowledge. And they've got the latest equipment. They've got the newest stuff that's being used in the theaters where these people are going to go work. So partially, the people on the expo floor are there to make connections, sell equipment, talk to each other. Oftentimes I think they do more selling to each other than to the nest to, than to a lot of the participants, but there's a lot of opportunity there for them to also connect with the rest of the hiring pool of folks that are out there that already know this business. I think what you have just done 
is answer a question that we've been puzzling over for our last few pods, which is how does somebody get into the industry? We've been talking about what should be the on-ramp that we can advocate so that smart people who are safety-minded get into the pipeline. You've just told us a whole bunch of useful stuff, primarily USITT-based, but not exclusively, which is fantastic. So that's the how. How does somebody get in? Now let me toss you what I hope is a softball, but we've been struggling with this one too. So the how do I, if I am a young person who wants to become an industry professional, how do I meet the right people who might actually give me some kind of gig so that you know I can earn a living and do this? That's what we've been talking about for the last 15 or 20 minutes, which is fantastic. Let's now shift the focus, not to the person who wants to become an industry professional, but let's say to their parent or guardian. And let's talk about why. Why is that a good choice, given that even, Laura Lee Everett, even in your career trajectory, which is completely consistent with that of everyone else we've talked to, you did a whole lot of freelance work before you started doing the salaried work, which is now what you do. So again, teeing it up, you have been talking really persuasively about how does the young person get started as an event industry professional. Now let's talk to the parents or guardians or whatever person is looking out for that young person. Why is that a good choice? Go. So brief anecdote, when I came home in the spring semester of my fourth year in college and told my parents I was changing my major from music to theater, um, my mother lost it and was like, oh my God, how are you ever going to find a decent man to marry? Um, which was hilarious because I was never going to school for an MRS degree and how she thought that was going to improve my odds being in music from theater, I still don't know. Um, my father still references that I sat down to try to explain to him. Now, my father was a, a naval engineer and a navigator and worked in real estate, like very practical guy, but he'd done theater when he was in high school and he's always been a singer. Um, and so I tried, I sat down with my prompt book and explained to him what it is that I do. We sat on the kitchen floor and I pulled the prompt book out while my mother's having a breakdown in the sunroom. And I, he saw how passionate and excited I was about it. And he said, I'm just going to ask you one thing. Can you actually make a sustainable living at this? And I said, yes, I can. It will take me a little bit of time to build that out, but I can. Now, I had already done a semi-professional gig, so I had some ammunition to walk into that with. I look at the folks today, and I hear all the time. And in particular, I hear from folks who are coming either straight out of high school um, and have not even done the college experience, but they're bitten by the bug, and they're really interested in going into this. And um, I have heard from some of the folks that are coming in, you know, out of just an undergrad whose parents are like, oh, you know, don't you need to go get a master's? So can't you become a doctor or a lawyer? 
any of those things. Being able to explain to said parents and guardians, and maybe this is something we should also look at to put out there and have the interviews with the people who have successfully done this, not for the last 30 years, because there's a lot of those at USITT, but for the last 10 years and what their path was. We talked about that a little bit at our first timers event this year. I don't know if you got to come to that. Um, our first timers, our first time attendees in St. Louis, we had 1,700 attendees that it was their first time at USITT. Now our normal attendance for that conference is a little uh, between four and 5,000 people. So that's a huge, that's a third of our attendance basically. <clears throat> um, so if we can talk about, here's the ammunition you need to take home and say, there are so many paths. People look at the entertainment industry and they see Beyonce and go, oh my God, millions of dollars. How could you ever get to that? As opposed to understanding all of the people behind the scenes that it takes to make that happen. And that those are real viable careers. You know, joining anyone, anyone of the theatrical labor unions, you know, that those are great paths if you want to stay in one place. You're going to have to build your way in. But right now, they had so many people post-pandemic, well, during the pandemic, who took early retirement and left, and others who were so early career and there was no work that went and found other things, that there's only sort of folks that are in that middle ground. And IATSE is clamoring for people. United Scenic Artists is clamoring for people. IATSE is the International Association of Theatrical Stage Employees. I'm sure you guys have talked about that before, but I'm going to put that plug in there. Um, one of the other things that we do in the world of safety and health at USITT is we are partners and ambassadors with OSHA and with IATSE in safety training and safety regulations and awareness for companies all across the United States. We're now, I don't exactly know what the difference is, but now we're now ambassador level as of this year in this partnership so that we all agree to and continue to maintain OSHA standards in our workplaces um, and that USITT will continue to uphold that as well with our membership. So I'm gonna spark off of that. Um, one of the things you, you talked about is vendors wanting to connect with faculty and staff from universities and training programs. It, it, and I, I feel like there's also an opportunity there to improve their safety knowledge as things evolve, as things change, exposing them to standards and reasonable practices and things like that. Um, is that something you see USATT being able to help facilitate that? Yes. Perfect. We've done it in the past. I think this past year, um, this past year was really tricky in terms of folks coming back to live and in-person conferences. We were um, completely canceled in 2020 and we were virtually only in 2021. So 22 in Baltimore was the first week of March. Everybody remember Omicron in January of 2022? I was so there we in Baltimore. Much, I was also yeah. in Baltimore. Yeah. Wore a lot of, <laughs> lot of, wore a lot of KN95s at that. Yeah, yeah. And it was a lot smaller participation, but we were glad we were able to get everybody back together. And that was where we really launched doing more of the hands-on training in the labs because it was smaller and we had a whole bunch of space to fill. Um, this past year, we had so many people who came and we didn't have quite as much space. They had told us there was going to be 
construction that wasn't going on after all, but we didn't end up doing the OSHA workshop we would normally do. And I want us to be able to continue to offer that. That's a value proposition for the freelance artist and or the, the technician working in the industry that's not associated with college or university. Correct. And, and those are more of the things we want to be able to offer to the membership in a holistic way. IATSE does a lot of training on their own. But again, things like these rigging masterclasses. We're working with another set of partners to build out a set of rigging masterclasses in Spanish. We want to be able to offer additional offerings like this to as much of the field as possible. Yep. And it is a, a, there's a, there's a longstanding reputation because USITT grew out of the folks at the academy wanting to be able to come together and share knowledge about new technology and help their students find placement in the workforce. It's gotten a reputation over time as being very academically centered, but we have so much industry that's there. And that place in the middle for the people who are working in the industry but are not in the academy, we're really striving to get more information out to them, make them aware, and give them opportunities to come in. We're going to do some locally based things in Seattle for that. I, I will say, um, you know, when I, so I run a venue at a college, so I'm sort of N neither fish nor fowl. <laughs> fowl yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when I first started, I went to USITT and after a little bit, I was like, I don't know why I'm here because this is either aimed at building your portfolio or you know a whole lot more than I know. Oh. And so I, I moved away from USITT for a number of years. And then when I came back, I was like, oh, somebody heard me <laughs> because now there's like a jillion things. I'm also at a place now where I sometimes present but you know that's yeah. different uh but i i have loved that addressing the middle middle of your career market and uh your osha thing you know there are more and more venues states uh municipalities that are now requiring an osha certification to to work in their facility or in their state so i think the more people we can get that real basic level training that's the the better um and continue to focus on the university academy groups so that as people join the workforce, their, their idea that safety is baked into the process right from the beginning yep. and not something that you add to the cake at the end like frosting um, is, is important. Um, one of the, going to your comment on the people have been in industry 30 years, um, there's a whole bunch of panels on technical director burnout um yep and i'm wondering uh and and some of it has to do with substance abuse and some of it just has to do with having no life outside of your your workplace um and i'm wondering if if that is something you can speak to sure that is another key component of what it is that we need to look at which is we can't go back to doing it the way that we did it pre-pandemic that's been, that's been apparent across the industry. Um, one of the last things that I was working on at Opera America that I have now brought to USITT and will continue to, continue to expand on, <coughs> excuse me, um, is a, a program that's called Opera Respect. Um, it's, we're, we're gonna expand on it even further than that, but it was a first time partnership between AGMA which is the American Guild of Musical Artists. It's the union for singers, stage directors, dancers, choreographers, 
and stage managers and assistant stage managers and assistant directors in the um, opera and music and dance area. And we got partnered with them following Me Too because we have a systemic problem in the industry where we don't address uh, sexual harassment and or um, discrimination in the workplace or bullying and harassment. And part of that is related to the work structure. It's never been codified. And frankly, getting the training that's out there where um, Bob grazed Marsh's breast with his arm as he reached for something on the copier is not what we deal with in an industry where you're strapping people into a harness around their private parts, or you're simulating sex and strangling someone to death on stage on a daily basis. We got different rules. And so that's a, a, a movement that started. What came into that was a discussion with the union as well about the fact that the cap, the, the, lower, the lower level on AGMA contracts for overtime for stage managers is 60 hours. That's not sustainable. And if you're at a big company that I won't name, but maybe down the street, <laughs> um, that has a really substantive budget, they'll just go, oh, we'll just pay for it. That's not safe either. When you've asked somebody to work a 60 hour week, they're in tech, they're in charge of all of the safety and overseeing it, and they're exhausted and you ask them to, well, we'll just buy your overtime. That's not gonna help the situation. They need to sleep, period. Yeah. So really addressing these things in the field, the whole movement about no more 10 out of 12s, um, looking at how we do this, and just because we never did it that way before, my father calls that the seven last words of the church. I learned it when I was a kid. It's the excuse for why, why change. Yeah, I, I think that's a, it's like the show must go on. No, 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 it really actually, doesn't need it to doesn't. go on. It, it doesn't not, need to go on if it's going to actually affect the health and well-being of, of everybody there. involved. Yeah, we're not flying a plane. We're not mid-flight. We're not in the middle of brain surgery. We could stop for a second. It's really okay. Stop. <laughs> and we need to look at the way we do what we do and value and reevaluate the value of the people we have doing it. I know it's expensive. I know that in this country, even in the commercial end of it, the number of producers that are involved to make a show get off the ground, let alone in the nonprofit end, um, which is what I've worked in for most of my career. There's, there, there is the challenge of making it cost effective, but at what cost? Yeah. When we're actually destroying people's ability to be functional humans and that they came into this because they loved it. Yep, and I you know, watched, can, I've watched over the years, that, <laughs> and I see it at USITT that over half of the, the young technicians are female. And you get to the older end and they're gone. They've yep. reached a point in their career, they're like, I cannot do this yeah. and have a life. And they've they've moved moved out. And I, I think that's, it makes me extremely sad and angry yeah. and I don't know how to fix it, but I, I, I've seen it and I've seen it for years and I'm hopeful that we're starting to address it. Uh, I'm gonna pivot to one last thing um, as we close out, and thank you, this has been a great conversation. Um, at the recent roundtable that we talked about in our last pod with ESTA and NAM and Avixa and USITT and the ESA, um, one of the things that people talked about and has been talked about in other, uh, other places as well, 
is that one thing that was made very clear during the pandemic is that we are not a group that can advocate to government and say, no, really, we are this entity, we are this thing. There are not job codes that that reflect what we do. You know, if you're ever in one of those surveys, which of these is the closest to what job I actually have? You know, I'm not an actor or a designer. Uh, <laughs> and it's like the only place the performing arts shows up in those things. Um, do you see USITT as one of the groups that could help advocate uh, for recognition as as a true career, which is the other thing that you know we, we were talking about. One hundred percent. I have been a part of. So I have two good colleagues um, that I worked with through my time at Opera America. <clears throat> one of whom has moved on and is working for the NEA, and the other of whom is still in that role. There's a group called the Performing Arts Alliance, and it is a number of these large-scale service organizations like Opera America, TCG, um, Dance USA, uh, the League of American Orchestras. And <clears throat> I've talked with them about participating in some of this work. Um, uh, shout out to my good friend and colleague, Tony Shivers, who is the government affairs advocate. He's based in Washington and he is on staff for Opera America and Dance USA. And we can collectively as a field advocate for things that are important to the work that we do. The, uh, the folks that are a part of the, the, the lobbying group, it's not a lobbying group, but it's the advocates, all of the advocates for the performing arts, things like the white space. Um, for those who don't know what that is, it is the part of the Wi-Fi bandwidth and spectrum that needs to be used by commercial use, by nonprofit use, and by emergency use. There is, for everything that operates wirelessly, there is a frequency line. So if you've got a wirelessly triggered light, if you've got headsets that are wireless, if you've got a hearing assistance system in-house that's wireless, all of those things are on their own nodes with a wireless frequency. Microphones, every single microphone. And it's funny, my, my, my friend who was originally in this was like, well, we don't really use microphones in opera. And I went, the hell we don't. And he was like, just because the singers aren't amplified, the band is amplified to the stage backstage. All of the people off stage are having to communicate through wireless microphones. Like there's so much wireless miking, and that's in opera. In theater, oh my God, so much wireless miking. And those frequencies, you buy them, you buy the box in the frequency range. The big three communications companies, Verizon, uh, AT&T, and T-Mobile, are trying to squeeze the bandwidth to a different place in the white space. And it's, it's this crazy group of people that are together. It's like theaters and opera companies and football stadiums and mega churches and like all, everybody who uses that equipment. It makes sense when you think about it. You're like, we're in this band together that's advocating that it not move because all the equipment we bought will have to be replaced. I have already spent thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars with this, previous being with previous shifts in yes. this range and they're also trying to take more of the space away the space i formerly worked in is two blocks south of msg and when there were certain things happening at madison square garden we did have once or twice where my boss's microphone suddenly picked up something because we were all in frequencies too close to each other so there's a way 
where if we have an advocate that down that puts out a call and says we need letters written i'm going to whip up the usitt crowd and be like friends write these letters here's who you need what you need to send to your state senators here's what you need to send to the feds we'll get it out there and i think that kind of advocacy work is something i'd really love to see all of us and and that group from nam where we first came together we can advocate for a number of different things and really raise awareness We've just got to pull all our data together, which I think each of us have, to do this. Yes, IBM, uh, uh, IBM should be a part of this. All right. So many things. So many things. I, I am. I am. My brain is just churning, but we are at at time. So I want to thank you so much. Uh, friends, if you want to write to us, our email address is podcastevenantsafetyalliance.org. Find us on social media, check out our website, uh, see where we're going to appear next. You'll see those things on social media or on our website. <laughs> uh, Laura Lee Everett, thank you so much for joining us. Steve, any last words? Um, get involved in our industry. Doubtless you are. You're listening to this podcast and help to explain why it's a good place to work. Um, there are lots of parents and guardians who need that elevator speech. So do it. We're, we're all standing by to write our white space letters. So yep. Yep. <laughs> wait thank for the you call. guys so much. <laughs> this has been great. We should do it again. Absolutely. Deal. Stay safe, everybody. 